If you enjoy listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may be listening to this show. We love to hear your thoughts and feedback and want to continue to provide content that you love. Thanks in advance for a five-star review. You are listening to the Purpose of Money podcast, a podcast where we talk about ways to build wealth and create more freedom in your life today. I am your host, Aquania Escarnet. Hey guys, welcome back to the Purpose of Money podcast. I'm super excited today because we have Dr. Renee Matthews. She is a leader in the healthcare industry who spent the early part of her career as a medical educator and a radio host for a satellite TV show. She is um, the recipient of a 2013 Friend of Mobile Care Award for her commitment to raising awareness of asthma in her city of Chicago. She's an author. And we're going to talk a little bit more about her book. She's been previously featured in Ebony, Essence, and as well as a contributor to Good Enough Mother, Essence Magazine, Madame Noir, and more. I'm super excited to have her on the show today so we can talk about health, women, and how to take care of our parents. We're going to have a little bit of tips for you today. And we even have some information on how to get entrepreneurs on the right path with their businesses. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Renee. Welcome to the show. Welcome to The Purpose of Money. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. So I'm super excited because I recently spoke to a dope group of women called the Queens of Capital, which you are a part of. And I wanted to learn a little bit more about your interest in joining that group because that's how we met. So what are you the Queen of Capital of? What are you masterminding away at doing? Um, You know, it's an investment mastermind. So I am just trying to stack my coins and build all my bags. And I'm a single woman and I want to make sure I can continue to take care of myself. And thankfully, my parents did a good job of, you know, taking care of themselves. So I, I would, you know, be able to, because of my entrepreneurial endeavors, I'm able to help to take care of them now. But financially, they got that covered. So, you know, I'm just trying to pass on and create generational wealth. I love that. That is my mantra. Generational wealth is what we're all trying to do here to level up and start where our previous generations left off. So I'm excited that you're doing that. And I want to know more about you. Like what inspired you to become a doctor? Is anyone else in your family a doctor or was there something in particular that led you down that path? So I was a sick kid. I had severe asthma and allergies um, my whole life. And so I spent a lot of time in the hospitals. And so I think it probably was just a natural thing because I spent so much time in hospitals. My mom was a um, hospital administrator. She was the director of respiratory therapy. So when we would have breaks from school, rather than her get a babysitter, we would go to work with her. So I spent a lot of time in the hospitals because I would sit in the hospital when she was working. And um, I just, I was always good at science and math. So they were naturally like, well, engineering or medicine. And I actually did major in engineering, but I always majored in it because I was going to go to med school. But um, I just, I, this was my thing. Like, I didn't know what else I was really good at. So, and I could take the sight of blood and I was like, I can do this. Okay. And really from a young age, I saw a doctor on TV, Dr. Nancy Snyderman. She was on Good Morning America. I'm aging myself. And she, for some reason, I was like, I want to be like her. I want to be on Good Morning America. 
And so I didn't know anyone personally that had done this path, but I was like, I can do it. And so here I am. I love it. And you are definitely on your way, if not there, because you're on TV, you're on satellite radio. So you are not just helping patients, you're helping people across the world. So I definitely want to learn more about your tips. You know, as Black women, we're constantly sometimes told our pain is not pain. It's marginalized or we're led to believe it, it doesn't exist. I have a family member who actually had a surgery, told her doctor she was in pain and the doctor told her, no, that's not possible. You just had the surgery. You're just healing and come to find out she actually was going through the beginning stages of the same issue and they had never seen that before. But when she insisted, then they finally took a second look and apologized. But she had to go through pain to do that. So what are some of your tips on how Black women can advocate for their own health, especially when engaging with medical professionals? I mean, the, the biggest thing is communication. So I personally, all my doctors are Black and um, they're not all women, but they are all Black. And I think that that is a huge piece. There's been studies done that have shown that, you know, Black preemies do better when they have a Black doctor, you know, their survival and their, um, you know, their thriving and everything. So there are studies that show that it does make a difference. Now, I am the first to say, unfortunately, not all skin folk are kin folk, but the most of us are very good and we pay attention. And so if you can try to get a black doctor and I know that that's not possible all the time. So I tell everyone, unfortunately in our, in our culture, we seem to believe that doctors, we hold them in high regard, which is great, but that high regard means that we never fire them. No, the doctor works for you. If you and the doctor don't agree, then you probably should go find another one. So you can fire your doctor, just like you go in job interviews you can go and interview doctors and figure out, no, this isn't a good fit. This is a good fit and find the one that works for you. So the biggest thing is finding a doctor that listens to you because just as much as you need to listen to the doctor, because you do need to listen to us and, to, you know, and, you know, we do, you know, we did go to school for something. You do need to listen to us, but we also need to listen to you. And if your doctor does not listen to you, because honestly, I feel like it's a team effort. So we're all a part of a team. And we have to kind of figure out what works so that the team wins. So if you're not listening, if you're not listening to your patient, then that's a problem. So I'm really a huge, huge proponent for please communicate. And if the communication is not working, then you should probably find someone else. And most doctors don't have a problem with you getting a second and third opinion. If they do have a problem, there is a problem. I like that. You know what I mean? If they don't, if they feel some way about you asking another doctor, then you should try and figure out, well, why do they feel that way? Because then do they have something to hide? Like something is off, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think it really comes down to communication. If you have somebody, and communication is a two-way street. People have to listen and they have to talk. So if they are not listening to your concerns, and I'm the first to say Google is not, you know, does not qualify you as a doctor. So I understand. And, you know, we have a lot of my colleagues are like, oh, God, if another one comes in and says, but, you know, I understand doing some research, but make sure that they're listening to you. Listen to your complaints. Listen to, you know, 
just don't take, because honestly, they have said that black women have a stronger pain tolerance, which is why they will pass you off and say you're not really in pain. When if somebody else had said they were in that pain, then they would do something about it. So that is why I think it's so important. And I'm so glad that because of what's happened recently, I have been told by a lot of hospital administrators that things are actually changing. And there is things happening in the hospitals, education going on, where hopefully we will be able to have equality when it comes to our, you know, our care. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm trying to tell you, please try to find a Black doctor. And you can go to blackdoctor.org and you can look up Black doctors. There's a whole bunch of different directories out there. But I work with blackdoctor.org and I know that they have a plethora. You put in the specialty and city and state of where you're at and boom. I love it. I love it. And I think that's so important, but I appreciate you sharing the insight to the fact that the industry is slowly changing and hospitals are taking note. And that's important to know too, because it makes me feel like there's hope, there's there's a transition. Although we cannot eliminate bias because it will always exist. Some people have those short thoughts that come to mind when they see something or think something, we can try to mitigate the impact of it as much as possible and being clear in what our needs are. So I love that you highlighted the importance of communicating to your doctor and making sure that the relationship is two-way, that they're not, you're listening to them, but they're listening to you. That's really important. And so I appreciate that. So I definitely want to talk more about your show because you're a celebrity, um, you're featured in different places, but you have your own show that's broadcasted in Walgreens and 45,000 uh, doctor's offices across the U.S. Tell me more about um, the topics that you cover on your show and who should tune in. So my show is called Out of Office with Dr. Renee. That show is in doctor's office waiting rooms. So basically... For the most part, because I've actually seen it myself, when I was at the OBGYN, it was an episode with an OBGYN. Um, when I was at the dermatologist, it was an episode with the dermatologist. So um, the episodes usually do pertain to whatever doctor you're going to visit. And they're really short episodes. They're like maybe three, five-minute episodes. And they touch on a quick topic. But hopefully it's some information that maybe will help you when you're about to go into your visit, because obviously you're watching in the waiting room. Um, we're also on the tablets as well. So while you're waiting for the doctor, you might see an episode too. And really, they're just, just like I said, little nuggets that hopefully will help you um, in your visit, I, I hope. And <laughs> that was the mission. And um, and I've, I've gotten lots of feedback that it has been very helpful information. So clearly people did actually pay attention. So I'm, I'm happy for that. Um, my other show is on YouTube, The Ask Dr. Renee Show. And that show is to motivate and inspire you to live the life you deserve. And so I think everyone should watch that because I think everyone needs to be motivated and inspired to live the life they deserve. Um, let's face it. we This is what I say at the beginning of every episode. We have one life. This is not a dress rehearsal. So... If you would like to play like you have another chance, go ahead. But this is it. And so, you know, I always say if it does not harm you or others, do it, whatever it is. Because what could you lose? But then what could you gain? You know, so my guests have been today. I had DJ Wiz, who is the DJ for Kid and Play. Um, last week, we had the lead singer of Troops, Stephen Russell Hartz. Um, we've had D-Nice. Um, everyone knows about Club Quarantine now. We've had Lisa Nichols, who told us how we are all meant to live an abundant life, which goes right along with my favorite hashtag. My hashtag is live life you deserve. And um, we've had uh, 
Michelle Williams of Destiny's Child. Next week, we'll have um, Jason Weaver from The Shy. Um, but we, you know, we have people who I believe that they are living the life they deserve and I know their stories and I know that everyone sees, you know, I've had guests that are bloggers. I've had guests, um, Cassandra Cummings has been on the show because of course she's the head of my, I always say she's the head of my money team. Um, my money coach, Draca, who I, I got her as a money coach when I joined Queens of Capital, she's been on. These are people that I know their stories, but you don't know their stories. And, you know, a lot of people see Cassandra. She has a group on, you know, Facebook with almost 100,000 women, Stocks and Stiletto Society, but a lot of people don't know her story. So I brought her on my show so they could hear her story and understand she knows she's a single mom. She knows, you know, and people are like, huh? They don't know. She didn't come from wealth. She created this. She did this herself. And so same thing, Michelle Williams, she talked about her depression long before she was checking in. She came on my show and she talked about that, you know, and even D nice, he went through a depression period. People didn't know that. Um, Diane Valentine, who is wedding planner to the stars, Tony Braxton, um, Nas and Khalees Usher. I mean, tons and tons of weddings. She single parent. She didn't come from money either. And she created this, you know, entity that she now has this beautiful brand. So I want people to understand that these people are just like us, you know, and some of them far, far, far worse, worse than we ever started. And look at what they've been able to make and look how, you know, wonderful their lives are just because they took a chance on themselves. I absolutely love what you're doing, getting stories out there and sharing it with the world who needs to hear it. I am so motivated by that. That's the purpose of this podcast is to share women entrepreneurship stories and how they're building wealth. I'm so curious, though, how did you decide to transition from being in the office, working with patients or even in the medical industry to an author and on the screen? Like, was that path to get on TV a challenge for you or was it a natural transition? So I never seen, I've never seen patients. I, um, I went to med school and was like, my fallback was I was going to be an OBGYN. My main goal was to do what I do, which was to be a medical expert, medical correspondent and be, I told you, I wanted to be on Good Morning America. I haven't made the Good Morning America yet, but I am getting very close. But all the other things before I get to Good Morning America, I never saw that I would have a show that would be seen. You know, I literally get a text, DM or a message from somebody with a screenshot of my show every week. Somebody seen me somewhere. Um, so I never imagined that I never imagined that I'd be in essence magazine. I like any other black girl grew up reading essence magazine, you know, (laughs) every month. Um, same thing with Ebony read it. You know, my grandma had every Ebony issue from before my time and look how did I end up in Ebony? So I never saw those things. So, you know, my journey to going to morning America is great because I will get there one day, but, um, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Of course, I didn't know anyone that did it. So I just created the path and did it myself. I started out with the satellite radio show and that was right out of med school. And then I've just been where I I actually, my, my entrepreneurial journey is that I have an entertainment company, Matthews Entertainment Group and Associates. I created that company in 2005. I graduated med school in 2005. I created that company, I think two, three months after I graduated med school because I had met a young lady who I felt had talent and 
her mom was like, I called her mom after I met her and said, you know, did you guys do? And I just was saying things that were logical to me. I didn't know anything about entertainment. Nothing. I know medicine. And she said, we can sign a contract. And I'm listening to this woman on the other end of the phone. I'm like, it contract for what? With who? And so I called my sister and was like, girl, we're in business. She's like, what? I said, we're in business. We got to come up with a name. My cousin is our graphic designer. Since you said this is video as well, my cousin created my logo, as you see. That's my logo back there. Um, my cousin's created all our logos. So he created the logo for our company. He, um, and so we came up with a name, Matthews Entertainment Group and Associates. He created the logo. Our tagline is Live Big, Dream Bigger, Mega. And she was my first client. Her name is Lady T. Lady T. Um, is from Detroit, like we are. And she was 15 when we met her and she blew up the joint. Um, she was doing things at her high school, you know, locally in Detroit. Well, I got her to blow up Detroit. She ended up on the radio regularly in Detroit, you know, and then we went to BT 106 in park and she blew their stage up twice. Um, so we just, you know, just took her from Detroit to national. And like I said, I didn't know what I was doing, but I am a networker. I know people that know people or I know somebody. And so I knew somebody and I was like, that somebody can help me. And it was most deaf's mom, Umi, who is to this day, one of my very favorite people in this whole wide world. I would call her every day. And I'm like, cause she had already met Lady T and I, and actually she wanted me to work with Lady T but she didn't know I was already working with her. It was too funny. And so I called her, I call her every day. I would call her and be like, okay, what do we do? And now this opportunity. And now what do I do? And what do I do? And I would talk to her and she would help me. And I learned the business a lot from her. And then I learned the PR side of things from my friend who unfortunately died in 2019, Jada Russell. Um, Jada was on um, Bridezilla. And when I saw her on Bridezilla, for some reason, I just felt drawn to her, like, I need to meet her. And me and her had a joke, a running joke. I was stalking with a purpose. And I ended up meeting her. She lived in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. And we ended up meeting, and we just became very good friends. And she actually was the first person to pay me. And she literally taught me public relations. But I was a paid intern, apprentice kind of a thing. And she did fashion fashion marketing. And my sister's like, but you hate fashion. I go, but I like Jada and I'm learning. I went to so many fashion shows. And so I learned. And so for Lady T, I did management. I did PR. I did a little marketing. I did everything. It was me and my sister and her mom. Wow. And that wow. was my first client. And from Lady T, people saw what I did. And girl, I used to get messages from everybody that could rap or sing because they wanted to, wanted me to do for them. But from Lady T, I ended up working with Chico DeBarge. We did PR for him. I did PR for um, Stephen Russell Hearts of Troop. I did PR for Troop briefly. Um, I did booking for Chrisette Michelle. Um, I booked her for some gigs. I booked... Um, Camille Wimbush, um, Bernie Mac show. I booked her for some stuff. So I worked with some nonprofits and they needed people. And so I booked these celebrities for them. And so I, I just did everything. And then I didn't want to do that anymore. And I really wanted to push Ask Dr. Renee. And so kind of like, was like, I can, I, I had the contact. I was like, I can do this for myself, I think. And it was funny because I sent somebody a message. How do I pitch myself? They're like, but you 
get your clients in magazines. Your clients have been in Vibe and blah, blah. I go, but I don't know how to talk about me. And my job actually was eliminated June 24th, 2013. So I just celebrated eight years. And I had to do it. I'm single. And I was like, you going to be real hungry and real homeless. You don't figure this out. Or you better go get a job. And everyone's like, don't get a job. You need to work on your show. And so asked Dr. Renee, literally, I went from like zero follow, zero likes on Facebook, zero followers on Twitter, and I grew everything to like 400, 500% in a year's time. And my Facebook page has a blue check. I'm even verified. So yeah, I just, I worked on it and it, I made it happen. And in that first year, I was, um, my, I had a video on the um, Katie Kirk show. I was on Sway in the Morning. And I was on Roland Martin's um, News One Now on TV One. And I literally went from writing for one blog for free to writing for five and getting paid in that first year. Yes. So I'm sorry. I have to unpack all of that because (laughs) (laughs) that was a lot. But it was so interesting. I was just like, and then like she keeps going. And I'm like, what? Really? So... You, you emphasize a point I tell people all the time, your net worth is your network or your yep. net worth will increase your, your net, net worth, worth yes. right? Because you utilize your network to get one person everywhere and then you built genuine relationships. So it mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, a business transaction situation. You built relationships, you learned skills, you were willing to intern And then you use that to make yourself a better entrepreneur. I think that's super powerful and it really resonated with me and I'm sure it resonated with my listeners. But then you also highlighted another thing that I hear women say all the time. And I'm even a victim of this. We do so much for other people and then don't think to do it for ourselves. And someone had to push you to promote your own show, to get, you know, to get behind yourself just as much as you were, were helping other people. Because you clearly had the skill set, you have the success record. And I think that's key, too, because you're now aware of it. You saw when you did it and now you're not doing that anymore and you have blown up successfully. I think that's it's, it's just phenomenal. I'm super excited about your success. I'm like cheering for you. The whole time I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God, I think that's so amazing. So, and you pivot. You were able to pivot. You said, I, I like doing this, but I don't want to do this anymore. Well, my I had a business coach. Okay. Jay Stone, And she was like, you know this PR game really well why don't you do it for doctors? I was like, oh. So I do have, um, they're twin docs, so I kind of call it one client. Um, Are they the twin docs on Instagram or they're just? The twin doctors. Yes. They're both, they're guys. Yes, they're real, are hilarious. Yes. Yes. And they're, they're stuff like, I told them to watch what they eat and somebody's like watching themselves eat, but they're- I love them. Yeah, so ja- doctors Idris and Jamil Abdul Rahman, yes. they are my clients. They live in Chicago as well. And the funny thing is me and my family, we watched Amazing Race. They were on Amazing Race a long time ago. And I remember seeing them on there. And I knew they were from Chicago because it said it on the show. The funny thing was that 
I had been seeing them at the hospital, but did not realize they were twins. Like I completely forgot. And so we ended up seeing each other again in events. And so I started working with them. And so they were my first and they're the only ones I have now as far as doctor clients. But um, I love them. Those are my peeps. And um, and they we've been to CNN. Um, they were on HLN. We've been to Sway in the Morning. They've been on the Karen Hunter show. If you're a you know serious person, serious XM listener, um, you know if you listen to those shows. Um, so yeah, they've they've been a whole lot of places. I love them. They're hilarious. Yeah. If anybody wants to check them out, their reels are so comical. And um, you know, I kept telling them to do them, and they would. They hadn't started. It took them a while, and then they finally started. So I'm really excited. But yeah, they're the twin doctors everywhere. Um, yeah, Twin Doctors TV on YouTube. And um, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's so dope. Oh, I'm, yeah. see, every time I just let you speak and you become <laughs> even more amazing, your dopeness just continues to grow. So what advice do you have for entrepreneurs then? Because you've had several pivots in your business. You mentioned you have a coach. I also have a coach. So I do believe in mentors and coaches to help guide you. But what other tips do you offer? I think that um, my biggest thing is, please, if you know that there's something you want to do, either you need to quit telling people that don't believe in you or just try to find your tribe, your people that, you know, are going to cheer you on because those naysayers can kill a lot of great dreams that would have been great. You know, that were great ideas that would have been great, innovative, you know, innovative things. But you, you know, you just let those people get to you. And I was just telling somebody that I had several people that said I could never be a doctor. And if I was one of those people to take that stuff inwardly, where would I be now? And then once I became a doctor and I was saying how I'm not really going to go into the hospital and work and I'm not going to have a doctor's office, people were like, well, you have to. And I'm like, no, I don't. And they didn't quite understand that I could do what I want to do and be successful at it. And there's still people that don't believe. And I'm like, that's fine because you're not paying my bills and that's okay. I'm fine, you know? But I know that I get to get up when I feel like getting up. I don't have an alarm. I, I, the only alarm is Sunday because I don't want to be late for church. But, um, but other than that, I get up when I feel like it. I have the good sense to set my meetings later. So, because I actually do get up. I don't get up early, but I get up at a reasonable time, but I just let my body wake me up. And I think that's, that's a great thing for me. And then I can hop on a plane when I feel like it and go where I need to go. Cause all I need to do is be at my computer and work and I can work from my computer anywhere. I just need my computer. I need my computer and my phone. And then I use my iPad sometimes too, but that's it. And I'm good. And so I, in my entrepreneurial journey, I will tell people that you will work hard because I worked harder than I ever worked for anyone else. The difference was that it was for me and I probably enjoyed it more than I did other people. Um, so my sister always said, well, you don't have a job. So you, <laughs> so, but I work 24, I like, I work seven days a week, but I enjoy what I do. And it's not, it doesn't feel like work. Like they said, if it doesn't feel like work, then you never work a day in your life. So it's fun. So I'm not, I don't feel like I'm working, but yes, I usually am working every day, um, but I don't feel like it. Like, I love it. And I've seen my family. My dad's from the island, so my mom's from Detroit. My dad's from Antigua, so I'm a Caribbean black, I call myself. And um, I've been to the islands now more than I did, when, more than I went when I had a job. 
I know that feeling. I still have a job and uh, my businesses, but I always joke about how my job doesn't give me enough vacation time and I'm, I'm going to have to figure something out because I want to be away. I want to do things. And this whole earning vacation time is just not, it's not it. So I totally get what you're saying. And I also get your background and culture because my dad was from Panama. My mom is from Brooklyn, oh, New York. Yes. My aunt is Panamanian. See, yeah. We, we connect on so many levels. Yes. I'm like, where were you, best friend? I, right. Why did it take so long to meet you? Yes, my Tia. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> she, she, so my aunt is Panamanian. My uncle's Antiguan. He's my dad's brother. So, but yes. Beautiful. Yeah. So I, I definitely want to talk a little bit about your book. I don't want to yes. oh, make, yeah. I want to make sure our listeners know about that. So tell me more about your book and what inspired you to write it. Um, it's called mom. I can't mommy. Breathe. I can't breathe. Mommy. I can't breathe. So tell me more about that. And, um, what is, I guess the top things that people will get out of it if they read it. Um, because I definitely have friends who have severe asthma, even as adults, and I know they would benefit from learning more. Yeah. So mommy, I can't breathe is the time. That's the um, title because that's what I used to say at night. Most asthma attacks happen at night. You can find out in the book why. Um, although they haven't quite figured out the exact reason why, but they have some ideas. Um, but mommy, I can't breathe. I would wake up in the middle of the night and I'd go in my parents' room and I'd shake them. Mommy, daddy, I can't breathe. So um, that's why it's called that. As I said before, I spent a lot of time in hospitals. I literally was sick pretty much every April and October. That's when the seasons changed in Michigan. And that was for the first 10 years of my life. So I went to the ER a couple times a week, if not, you know, five or six times in a week um, because I was so sick. Um, and my mom's a respiratory therapist. I also mentioned, so if I was sick enough to go to the hospital, you meant I was really, really sick. Cause she could, she had everything. We had oxygen at the house. We had everything. So I joined a lot of Facebook groups and I saw these parents because as you know, food allergies are actually more common now than they were when I was a child. And so I was reading and these parents were raising their children in these bubbles and, you know, clearing the whole house of the allergens, or we can't travel because Johnny's allergic to this. And I, he was like allergic to two things. I'm allergic to, as my sister informed me today, the top eight allergens plus. And so um, I, um, I traveled as a child. My parents, we always went places. My parents have never eliminated anything out of our house. So I am allergic to citrus, citrus, chocolate, nuts, eggs, seafood. I cannot smell seafood cooking, nor can I eat it. Wheat, rye, barley, and did I say nuts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's me. Oh, now, I feel bad for the seafood part. I love seafood. But. Well, because I was born this way, I've never eaten these things. So okay. that's the other good thing is that I don't miss what I never had. But my parents, they never went without any of that. All of those things were always in the house. And they always ate seafood. My mom cooked it in the garage or they'd cook it before I'd come home and air out the house. Different things like that. But I have always been around these things. And I just want, I wanted to write the book because I wanted people to see, hey, I made it to 44 and my parents didn't do any of those things that you're doing. And my parents also didn't have the benefit of the internet because nowadays, you know, you can look up a restaurant's menu online. They didn't have that. And we went out to eat, you know, not all the time, but we went out and we traveled and went out to eat at those, you know, wherever we were traveling to. I traveled internationally as a child. 
and I've never got, you know, had a problem. So I just really wanted to show parents that your kids will be okay and they can live normal lives. I lived overseas for two years and um, no, I lived overseas for three years. So for the fact that I lived in the middle of the ocean, I lived on the island of St. Martin for two years then, and I survived it. You know, seafood was everywhere. Every restaurant you went to was fresh seafood. And I survived that shows you, you know, so I really wanted to show people. So I tell stories. The first half is me telling you stories about me and my life. And then the second half is literally the modern guide to navigating. So that has all this stuff about asthma and allergies, diagnosis and how to treat and, you know, all that good stuff. So I do have a question for you because you brought up a point that I've been saying, I think this is true, but I didn't know how to prove it um, other than reading research. But people are more, is it, are, do you really think people are more allergic to things today than they were before? Or are we just more aware of the allergies? No, I think they are. And I really think that it might have something to do with what food is not what we used to have. Right. It's been altered. Process and Mm -hmm. altered and all of that, that I think that that's probably what's contributing to it. Don't quote me, but that's my thought Mm -hmm. is that it's just not the same food that we grew up on. It's changed. That makes sense because I said the same thing. I used to tell my husband all the time. I was like, when I was in elementary school, this whole peanut thing was not as big. I don't even remember anyone who I knew was allergic to peanuts. Exactly. Whereas me, I was always the only. Right. Like the whole school, I was like the only one. And now it's like. And now you have peanut free child daycare. You can't bring snacks and cupcakes and whatever to celebrate birthdays to school. So it's totally different because it wasn't right. like that as a child for me. Right. You you can't but bring I it survived, in the school. And that's anywhere. what I keep saying. I, I survived all this because mm-hmm. my nut allergy is not, it's not inhaled. So I can be around people eating nuts that way. But if you take your hands and touch me, I will start wheezing. Mm, that's interesting. And then what is your recommendation as far as allergy tests? Because you said you knew Skin your test. allergies Skin from test. when you were and born. And that's in the book. Okay. So get it's skin called test. a scratch test. Okay. That is the most accurate. Okay. You can have a blood test, but the most accurate is a scratch test. And if you scroll on Facebook, cause you said something about allergies and you see something about an allergy test that you can get the kid at home. I would say you need to go find an allergist and ask for a scratch test. And that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you should see a professional, but <laughs> yeah, I just think you should. Okay. No, I love that. I love that. Cause my son has a few allergies and we discovered them by trial and error, right? right. Fortunately, none of them to the severity that he was sick or had to go to the hospital, but we took note. Like I gave him salmon and then he got red hives and I was like, well, there's salmon. And then we did shrimp. It came, I said, well, no more seafood. So we actually don't give him any seafood. Um, but we'd never gotten the test and I'm always like, I don't want him to be picked and poked. But then I was like, I think I should, I don't want him to get too old. And he doesn't know if he's allergic right. to anything well, else. That, and that's the thing. Cause I, I did, I actually, in the month of May is allergy and asthma awareness month. And on the Ask Dr. Renee show, I interviewed every ta- every interview was about allergies and asthma. And one of my guests, Javier Evelyn, who has created an amazing app and technology allergy, A-L-E-R-J-I-J-E. He was one of those people who didn't know and found out when he was working a job in high school or something and at a pizza place and found out he was allergic to a protein and milk or something. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. So I'll definitely check that out and get him tested with a skin test because that's what Dr. Renee said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that's so interesting because, and he's the only one in our family with allergies because I don't have allergies. My husband doesn't have allergies and my older son doesn't. So that was also a shock for me as a parent to even have to write anything under allergies because I was like, that what? is so my family, my mom has allergies, she's allergic to melons, that's it. But then like her brother has allergies, and then you know, so she has it falls in her line, her family line, asthma and allergies. So it's yeah. just I got the brunt of them because nobody is no one in either sides of my family has allergies like me. Right. And, and so- I've told everyone my children more than likely will be like me. And I'm okay with that. I was like, okay. Jesus, I can handle asthma and allergies. I don't know about no other diseases. <laughs> yes, I'm a doctor, but I, I can handle allergies and asthma. I love that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. How long did it take you to write the book? It took, I don't know. I should have wrote, wrote this down. I don't know. Maybe it took me like a month, maybe. Okay. And that was, you know, I'm doing other things all during the day. And it was usually at night that I would sit there and start cranking out and start typing. So, yeah. I love it. I'm going to definitely check it out and I'll include a link to your book in the show notes so listeners can grab a copy too. Thank you. So another question about taking care of parents, because I learned that you are also taking care of an elderly parent who has had some health challenges. And as a millennial, um, some of us are also in that sandwich generation where we're taking care of our own family. We are also providing for our parents. What are some tips that you have for women in this position, especially when it comes to helping manage their parents' health care? So I... um... Well, thankfully, like I said, my mom was in healthcare. So my mother is real big on Renee, the doctor said, you know, because yes, she knows a whole lot about medicine, but then she also knows that I am a doctor. And then she also knows that I have a network of physicians that I can always tap into. So um, I think that is huge. My biggest thing I tell anybody, elderly parents or children, whatever, you always need an advocate. Do not talk to the doctor without somebody else present. Because if you get bad news and you turn off, somebody needed to hear what was said after you turned off. So you always should have an advocate. So if at all costs, can you please, even if y'all live in different states, FaceTime something so that you can hear what the doctors tell your parents. Because just like that game operator, by the time it gets down to you, you might not have all the picture that you need. And the last thing you want to do is to not, come home when you should have came home because you thought your your dad was fine because nobody quite understood the severity of the situation. So make certain that your parents have given you, because I, my parents, it has been in, you know, they put it in writing, all of that. It says that we can discuss their um, medical stuff. Me and my sister can discuss their, and so especially with my father when he was in the hospital during COVID. And of course we couldn't visit Everything was by the telephone. So therefore, you know, and my mom's, before I came to stay with them, I was living in another state. So me and my mom weren't necessarily calling at the same time. So I can call and you should be able to tell me because my mother has given me permission. And so it's really important that you make sure that if anything, you've put that in writing so that they understand at the doctor's office, at the hospital, at the nursing home, wherever they are, they understand they can discuss these things with you. 
Because if you can't get on the FaceTime or whatever, you need to be able to call and say, hi, my parents visited today, blah, blah, blah. Or you need to email something. You need to be able to understand what's going on. And I think that is so huge. If you don't know what's going on, then you you can't, you don't know what help they need. Um, I've learned a lot being here because one, I tell everybody, go into the business of senior transport. You'll make a killing. It is so expensive because my dad can't can't get in, he can't really quickly, easily get into the car. We need him to go by wheelchair. Wheelchair transportation is expensive as all get out. And needless to say, there were some doctors he actually had to go see and not virtually. Expensive as all get out. Please go into senior transportation. But there is uh, usually in most cities, the Department of Aging, I believe that's what it's called. And you should, each state has a Department of Aging, and then they'll have a little thing for your city. Try and tap into them. They can have a lot of resources, hopefully, that'll help you. If your parents need rides, if they, you know, whatever they need, they should be able to help you. Um, I think that um, hopefully your parents have all their ducks in order. Thank you, Jesus. Mine's do. They've got their wills. They've got all of that stuff is in order. So everything is in writing. We all, you know, everyone knows we've got copies and everything. So, um, we, we know what to do. Everyone has, you know, a plan. So that's really important, especially in this general, you know, in this day and age, make sure, cause look at, um, DMX. Did you see that his, um, fiance isn't going to get a dime. So sad. Eight years, eight years. So in Prince too, there's a whole bunch of people that recently have died. Didn't have nobody's will. Mm-hmm. You guys need to have a will. And I hate to, you know, you hate to have that conversation with your parents. I didn't have to. My mother was on it because I didn't want to talk about it, but she took care of it. And I'm like, that's why I love my mother. And so so I have to deal with it. But um, because I'm here, I'm able to, well, you know, COVID, I couldn't at first go to the appointments, but at least my mom could go. But now the virtual ones, I've been on all the virtual ones. And then the portal, I'm on the portal so I can send questions to them and that, you know, Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So that's helpful. you know, wherever you can try to insert yourself so that you can understand what's going on. Cause the last thing you want to happen is that your parents are too prideful to tell you what's going on. And then they get too far sick for you to be able to get them help. Mm, that's deep. my, my biggest thing as a doctor is the earlier we figure it out, the quicker we can fix it. But if you say, Oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. Oh, I don't need to go to the doctor. And by the time you go, it's some huge colossal problem that they can't fix. Well, now we got to say goodbye to you and that's not fun. So please, if you, you know, make sure that they go to their appointments. We all need to go to the doctor regularly. Make certain we all go regularly. It doesn't matter what age you are. You need to make sure you're visiting the doctor regularly and getting all your appointments in, get all your numbers checked. I, um, I made sure my parents have the top of the line blood pressure cuffs because we need to make sure we check our blood pressures regularly. Um, Thank you, Jesus. We don't have diabetes here, but if we did, we would have the best, you know, thing that's read your sugar, whatever. Make sure that they have what they need. And a lot of times their insurances will pay for these things. It's just a matter of somebody didn't go to the doctor to find out they needed it. Love it. I love it. Those are really good tips and super helpful. And I've had so much fun talking to you today. Like this conversation has brightened my eyes 
into not only the diversity in the medical profession and how you can be an educator, be on TV, be on a radio show, but then you as a person, you're just amazing. Being able to pivot to entertainment and then back to being an awesome daughter, taking care of her parents and anything else in between. But I have to ask you my signature question because I ask everyone on the podcast this, what is your purpose for money? My purpose for money, I tell everyone my why is my sister. My sister still works a day job and my why is to retire her because I don't have any children yet. Um, now, because she she's getting there pretty soon. I think my purpose for money now is really generational wealth. I am going to be a mother one day and I want to make sure my children and children's children and children's children's children are taken care of. You know, I always jokingly say, you know, that building in New York is called Rockefeller Center. I said there's going to be the Matthews Center. I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see it. I want to be there. I also want my listeners to follow you, especially check out your show on YouTube and anywhere else. Please let us know where can we find you on social media and your website. Uh, my website is askdrrene.info and I'm Ask Dr. Renee on every platform. So that's YouTube channel is Ask Dr. Renee, Pinterest, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook page, um, TikTok, everything. I'm Ask Dr. Renee. So if you just type in A-S-K-D-R-R-E-N-E-E, you'll find me. Awesome. I'll make sure to include all of that in the show notes, guys. So make sure you check it out. Follow. If you like this episode, please share it, like, and subscribe. Don't forget to leave a review. And I hope that you guys will continue to tune in because this was a great episode and I have many more to come. Until next time, keep building generational wealth. Thank you for listening to the Purpose of Money podcast. For more resources and information, check out my website, thepurposeofmoney.com. And while you're there, please sign up for our newsletter so you have the latest information on new episodes and blog posts. Until next time, keep creating freedom in your life today.